podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So I spoke to my ex-girlfriend the other day. She's married now with a baby. <laughs> what an idiot. Who marries a baby? <laughs> God, one of you's going to laugh at that. Welcome to The Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Barreto, senior writer at F1.com. I'm Chris Redland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders, F1 editor at ESPN. Oh, actually, I'm deputy editor, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do that again? No. I mean... <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Has it changed recently, Nate? No, no, it hasn't. I just promo- promoted myself there, apparently. Uh, sorry to Lawrence Edmondson I apologise that was unintentional that already leads in brilliantly to what we're going to talk about because you've had to work with him in the office for yeah. the last three races and clearly you're getting above your station <laughs> absolutely well he'll be at Silverstone you know with, with you guys this Sunday so you guys can tell him to put me back in my place um, but yeah it, it, is, it, it, it is a good way into that isn't it because I was in the office for the first three races you guys were there on location but also kind of doing things differently to each other as well, which I thought was pretty interesting. What was it like in the office, Nate? Because I imagine there probably weren't that many people in there to start with. Oh, it was completely empty. There was, um, we had video people come in and we had people come in to do our podcast on the Sunday. A bit of, there was some producers in for the cricket, but yeah, the, the building to get in, you have to, you know, sign in, take your temperature, go in. You can only go up on the lifts, come down via the stairs. So all quite strange and um building big office buildings are meant to have lots of people in so when there's no one in there they feel completely weird because you're sat there at, they're sat there at your desk and you look up and there's nobody there at all um yeah so it was, it was kind of strange and um and then watching racing in that environment was also really weird because usually you're either in a media center watching it or you're in a you know when i've covered before you're in quite a busy office there's football going on there's cricket there's rugby it was literally just me and lawrence was sat kind of two desks down from me because we were observing social distancing um but it yeah so just everything about it is really weird um and i suppose it takes some getting used to but we're gonna have to get used to it aren't we because that's the world now hopefully not forever if you and think you it's weird for you imagine how weird it was for lawrence I, yeah i know that's what i thought like he had to turn to the left. And I, I just told him bad jokes all the time. Just turn to him and, you know, we'd be practicing jokes for this podcast. Uh, so by the end, I think he just wanted to, he just wanted to go. He wanted to leave. Good use of your time, though, to practice jokes during work time, Nate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what, that's what, I mean, for any of my employers listening to this, I was working very hard the rest of the time around those jokes. Please don't Well, you've just me. been You've just been promoting your brand. I mean, you know, giving yourself a promotion might not go down so well, but um, you, know, you did give a mention to SPNF1 at least at the start of the show. So that's yeah. one thing you've done right. Yeah, one thing I've done right in 2020. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> it did look strange. Like, yeah, we saw, because we could see, um, I don't know if actually you could, Barreto, but uh, when we were on Zoom, like press conferences with the FIA or with anyone else for that matter, we could see into different people's, houses or whatever so you could see that the espn boys were in the office um mm. and with the weird backdrop of which i think was lords wasn't it or like it's a load a, of sporting yeah, it's, arenas it's a it's a, yeah it's a it's a huge mural of lords i don't know which i think it was an ashes test from a few years ago 
Um, but it was, I only had half of that as my background because of where I sat for Lawrence. Whenever he asked a question, there was basically this entire cricket pitch behind him. So it looked like he was like a massive cricket fanboy, which if you know Lawrence, it's quite <laughs> funny because he's not, he's not that at all. So um, that was, that was funny. And I was going to, I was going to bring this up as one of my points, but on Zoom, you suddenly become incredibly aware of your background, but also your face. You know, your face is just there. But there was a great one we had when Meadows asked a question and it was like, it, it said media room. And it was pointing <laughs> straight, straight at your head, which I thought was great. It was like, like Meadows was the media. I, I am the media room. I did yeah. actually, I sat down and saw that and was just like, eh, why not? Um, but, I'll go with it. But since then, Meadows, you've spent quite a lot of time fiddling with your background, haven't you, um, for video calls. I, I saw that I did a call with you and there was a, a helmet in the background and positioned <laughs> things very nicely is that is that correct <laughs> yes mate yes i did i like how you went there because i had no idea what you were on about at first you, you were very deadpan which you do you normally crack much earlier when you're trying to make a joke like that but um yeah <laughs> thanks, i did a thanks, video mate. i did a video call with uh fox in south america for their silverstone preview uh, i did an interview with them so that was for tv so i needed a decent backdrop so I used a poster, which you guys can see, but no one else can see, on the wall, which is an old Chinese Grand Prix one. Well, it's not old, it's last year's. could be the last Chinese Grand Prix one, for all we know. Uh, so that was in one side, but then did the old trick of hanging a few paddock passes over the corner of the poster, because, you know, that's always where we all keep them. Uh, and then I had some racer stuff on the chest of drawers, and there were some old Amazon Prime boxes behind me that I was going to remove. And then I realised I made a nice little shelf, so I put my own racing helmet there, which... Um, so I got complimented for what a great and interesting backdrop it was by the producer, because I think most people just show up and, and they're sat in front of their window in their living room and all you can see is curtains and bright lights. So I was quite... Uh, I was all right, Meadows, there's, there's, no need to, there's no need to tell me that right now when all you this... can see in my living room is curtains and bright light. <laughs> you've got a very nicely um, designed living room, I must say. You look like you've put a lot of effort into that. But also, it's, this is audio only, for, luckily, for the three listeners that they don't have to see our faces. You say luckily, but we've all had haircuts. Even Nate's had a haircut. <laughs> Even Nate. Yeah, he had that, that I think, that... in 1998. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was a low blow, Lawrence, that, actually. I had, I had this haircut, yeah, I had this haircut um, in 2018. And uh, I've, just been, I've just been maintaining it since, you know. Um, but that's been something, just as a quick tangent, on our morning editorial meeting that we have the joke as lockdown went on became more and more about you know everyone's hair got crazier and crazier and every morning it was like oh look who like who, who's gonna be first to have their haircut obviously not nate and it was like great great <laughs> great guys nice like it was it was it was like a one out of ten funny to start with a bit like the jokes at the beginning of this podcast and they didn't get any better do you want us to kind of just sit and listen for a bit do you need to i need to need vent. a bit of help right now yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, this, this podcast episode is just going to be me venting, actually. and promoting myself. <laughs> go, for, go for it. As long as it makes no, no, you we, feel better, mate. We're here for no, you. No, we're good. We're good. No one wants to hear that. Or do they? Okay. No, actually, what I want to hear is what life was like inside the paddock, because I never got to go in there. It was forbidden. So I had to just look at it from afar, and Barretto got to go inside that sanctuary. Did it make you, did it make you want to go in even more because you couldn't go in there? Even Honestly, though you know exactly what it's like. Yeah, in Austria. Well, I know it's different now, but I also know now it's not as cool as it used to be. Um, mm -hmm. But in Austria, because we're on the other side of the track in the media centre, great view overlooking the whole circuit, but you couldn't actually see the paddock. 
and you were told you're not allowed there. So you couldn't go under the tunnel to the paddock. Um, the closest I could get was when I went to get tested and you could see a paddock entrance from there and you could see down it. And it just felt like, felt so outcast, like so unwanted and like you'd done something bad. Um, so it was really like, it was quite a horrible feeling actually. It was kind of like, no, you, you are not allowed. You're, you're not either not important enough or you're dangerous to us or whatever. So um, yeah, I really missed it actually, that first one. By Hungary, it's better because Hungary, we actually had to scan into the paddock gates to go into the media center. You just weren't allowed to go anywhere other than up straight upstairs. Um, but that at least felt a little bit more connected and closer. But um, yeah, I missed it. it. It looked fun. Was it fun? Sorry, I was just going to jump in and ask Matt as a quick question, but also for you, Beretta. Like, you know, usually when we're in the paddock, you see a lot of drivers walking around, you'll stop and have a chat with some of them, etc. Did you guys, was there still much of that? Like, I know you'd probably have had to speak from afar, or did you literally see nobody through the whole race weekend and have no kind of FaceTime with those guys? So oh, other, than, other, than our, other than our Zoom chats, obviously, I mean, like in person. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah, on my end, um, so Austria, not a thing. We were told um, we weren't allowed any interaction with them. You know, don't try and doorstep anyone on the way in or out and that sort of stuff. I saw a couple, so I saw Jack Aitken um, leaving, I think on the Thursday or Friday from Austria. Um, but yeah, just, we stayed miles apart because it was weird to see someone from within the paddock outside. Uh, and I hosted the F2 and F3 press conferences. So I got to see drivers face to face that way. Um, but aside from that, no one from Formula One at all. We saw the McLaren comms team leaving when uh, Ben and I, so Ben Hunt and I were sharing uh, a hire car and staying in the same place. We were like our own little bubble. We saw them leaving one day and, and just took the horn and waved from within the car miles away. Cause, and normally you'd be like, oh, you go over or you know, you'd drive past them and say something. But no, it was like, you know, we stayed away and they stayed away just to be completely safe. But in Hungary, Pierre Gasly did walk past me when I was sat with the media room sign behind me um, <gasps> before the before the Alpha Tauri um, press conference. So they'd come in the wrong way into the building, essentially. Uh, and so I think Fiat had gone in the right way, but Gazi had come in the wrong way. And I'd actually sent him some WhatsApps to ask him to do some work for Honda that I do with him. And he wanted me to explain it. So he'd walk past and he'd turn around. He's like, oh, mate, by the way. So we're having a, a conversation, shouting at each other from about 10 meters away. But even then, um, one of the FIA people had walked by. And when they walked back, I had to go, I didn't like. I didn't stop him. He stopped. Yeah. I didn't do anything. I'm so yeah. I didn't do anything so you, wrong. I, so you, I had you a mask get, on and that. You were trying to get Gasly out of the race then. At that point, you're like, hey, <laughs> it's not me. If if anyone's gonna go, it's gonna be him. If I, oh yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. No, I mean, I had a mask on and um, there was nobody around. That sort of thing. And you were miles away. But that even that was was breaking what the regulations say should happen. Um, it was by complete accident. But yeah, you, you're not meant to interact with them at all. So that was too much for my end. Whereas I think Beretta got way more interaction. Yeah, so it was <clears throat> I'm very lucky that it was completely different for me because I was in the paddock um, because I had access to speaking to team personnel in the way that we ordinarily would at a Grand Prix weekend um, because I was doing a lot more TV work for FOM. So um, I was doing like post-session interviews. Um, we launched a couple of new shows um, that they've made me part of this year. So it was just required for me to, to be there. Sorry, that's a massive plug, wasn't it? Really Look at sorry. the grin on his face. <laughs> Um, got to debut some new shoes. Oh, Nate, you, Nate? I, I just, I was, I was going to say the shoes. I just didn't want you to not mention the shoes because Gunther Steiner mentioned them about three times during the weekend and, you know, to you, I think. So, yeah, sorry, I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you explain the shoes because they're, they're, they're a great accessory. Thanks. Um, so this year, um, I got some new yellow boots um, that replaced a, a set that I've had for three years that I, I really loved, but they just got a bit old and tatty. And these ones were neon, like fluorescent yellow. 
Um, so I wore them into the paddock and I'll tell you what it's what is funny is most people just look at the shoes but they never say anything to you and then the next day when you don't wear the shoes they're just looking at your feet it's very funny <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah Gunter um, mentioned them he kept saying that they were so bright they blinded him um, one team boss described them as the worst thing they've ever seen which I thought was quite harsh because you must have seen some pretty bad things in your life and neon shoes surely can't be the worst thing you've ever seen which um, team my boss? man liked them. Uh, I'd rather not say. Well, <laughs> come on, you got to. I mean, you've given. Uh, yeah, we're all friends here on the paddock. Yeah, this is this is the insight that people come here for. It was it was a team boss that. Um, is he married like, to a? Is he married to a Spice Girl? Is he married to? No, he's not married to a Spice Girl. M- married to a former racer. Uh, no. Oh, is it a he? So it's a he. Okay. okay. I mean, that's, that doesn't really narrow it's it American. Well, it just take... He's American. He's American, okay. Is it Big Zach Brown? No. That's Otmar. Hang on. Otmar. Otmar's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Meta's just assuming straight away that Zach's the only American in the paddock. <laughs> more that I thought Zach was the guy that was more likely to, to be that strong with his wording. I'd have thought Otmar would just kind of shake his head at you. He'd be a bit more subtle with his disgust. But apparently not. I'll take it back. No. Um, so um, Roman liked them, though. I don't, know, I don't know what that says, but he liked yellow shoes. So I'll take that as a compliment. Well, I mean, no. they were spectacular, I must admit, having seen them um, from but both be far. T- and debuted, I think. You debuted a picture of them on the podcast that's not a podcast, which is no longer running. I did. We're doing another one now. Um, it's, yeah, literally the podcast, it's, it's literally the podcast that is not a podcast now. <laughs> that is no longer a podcast. <laughs> it literally does not exist. <laughs> yeah. It had its time. Did it have its time? I don't, I don't think we quite got to the end No, it never you made it. Finished, <laughs> you should have finished the series with an interview with Nate and myself, because we were the, the original guinea pigs, weren't we? Yeah. That's actually we could have, this is. We could have merged it into the <laughs> first show of this. Like at the end, <laughs> the end, we reveal the pad hoc, and then we go into pad hoc. Man, we should have thought about these things before we start shows, shouldn't we? Uh, I know, very organised. No, it's neat. It's more natural this way. I like it this yeah. way. Um, but to be clear, I talked to drivers about stuff other than my shoes. So don't worry, there was some actual good content that came out of it over the course of the weekend. But just to, to say how different it was, um, we had to stay two metres apart, but you could still have a chat to someone <clears throat> if you happen to walk by them. A couple of the drivers were staying in the hotel that I was staying in. So you'd obviously see them at breakfast um, or on the way to the circuit. Um, when we first got in into Austria in the paddock on that first weekend, people were a bit, they didn't know what to do. So you'd see someone and you'd go forward to like maybe shake their hand and then you'd step back again and you'd do this little dance and then you'd step further than you had to be and then you'd shout and you'd both be wearing masks. You can't really hear what each other's saying. So it, w- it was a bit strange. But by the time we got to Hungary, I think people were a bit more relaxed about the situation and everyone was just using common sense like... No one wanted to obviously catch or spread the virus, but they obviously knew that they had to go about doing their job. So I think everyone just kind of found a way to, to make it work. And there's also the point that you got the, uh, the lights of being tested so regularly, which was to ensure that everyone there that you're working with didn't have it. So as long as everyone was sensible away from work where mm-hmm. they might pick it up, there was no chance of picking it up or transmitting it within the paddock. That's the thing I was finding a little bit strange. Uh, we were the same in that we had to be tested as normal media that weren't allowed in the paddock um, regularly and proved that we were negative before we were allowed to come to the track. But then 
when we were there, we were locked away in a room as if we all had it and therefore couldn't be allowed out or couldn't be allowed to interact with anyone because we'd give it to them. And it's, it was always a bit strange. And you're thinking, but we've gone through all the protocols to allow us to operate normally, but then are not being allowed to operate normally. So I, I found it all pretty strange, to be honest. But um, the main thing was we actually got some racing on the go and I got to see out the window. That was the, the main advantage of being there because I think Nate said a few times, like, what's the point, essentially? To being in a media center if you can't do anything and can't go anywhere you're just doing the same job that he's doing from the office which was pretty much exactly the case apart from i could look out the window and see a racing car that was the only difference yeah i was jealous of that fact very very jealous of that fact what i was going to ask that i thought was quite interesting was i assumed we we, we kind of thought okay fans are much more important to a football game than to a formula one race but some of the drivers have said how weird it was, even when they were racing. So here's a quick cheeky plug, the ESPN F1 podcast, when we had Kevin Magnuson on. <laughs> when, we had, when we had Kevin Magnuson on, he, you know, I, I assumed like, you know, he'd say once the visor went down, didn't notice it at all. But he said, even in the race, it felt weird because, you know, they, there was nobody in the, in the stands itself. And usually, usually drivers will say to us, oh, you know, once, you know once, once we're in the race, we don't really think about all those things. And Norris compared it to a Formula Renault race. So being there, and knowing what, you know, especially what Austria sounds like around a race, it's always a great atmosphere. How weird was that being in that media center and hungry to a lesser degree, I guess, when you're along the pit straight? How did that, how did that feel to you guys? Was it weird? From my point of view, yeah, Austria was the one you noticed it more because you could see so much of the track. So you could just see the empty grandstands everywhere. And you, you had this beautiful view of a great circuit and clearly no one there. Um, which was a bit strange. And there was no like big screens to watch out the window. There was, there was obviously nothing then, none of the infrastructure to support fans. Um, but the flip side was it was great for driving in and out. You just, <laughs> you could rock up at any time and drive straight through and park up and there was you know, no issues. It made everything much smoother. You got a little bit more sleep than you normally would. Um, but Hungary, yeah, noticed it less there. I think because, again, it's only the pit straight there that you can see and probably just got used to it a little bit more from Austria anyway. Um, there's, I think there'd be things like pit lane walks and, and that sort of stuff where there'd be an atmosphere, even for the teams, where fans get very close, even if they're working in the paddock. That was missing. But from my perspective, because I wasn't allowed in the paddock, I couldn't see the difference there that then went, oh, like there's no, there's no one here apart from us. Uh, whereas I guess, Beretta, that might have been a bit different for you because you were mingling somewhere where normally fans or some fans and VIPs could go. I think that was the real interesting thing about inside the paddock that changed most noticeably was there were obviously fewer people in there, but it was it was more fewer guests um, or perhaps people or dri um, that drivers were less comfortable with. So they were more comfortable because of that, just naturally. So you would see like Lewis sitting out on like the terrace bit between their motor, their, their kind of makeshift motorhomes. Um, you see Valtteri cycling up and down the... Um, the paddock on his bike th little things like that lewis walked his dog in the middle of the circuit it was kind of little things like that that wouldn't never nor ordinarily happen during a race weekend because they just felt a bit more comfortable being a bit more open so i think if people if you guys chris and nate were allowed in the paddock you'd find that it was a bit more relaxed um generally um outside the circuit the thing in austria that i found very strange is apart from the lack of traffic was that normally when you're going in there's fans walking all the way down that main street before you get into the venue there's the campsites right next door that have got music playing pretty much 24 hours a day um there's a feel kind of festival atmosphere and obviously there was not, it was eerily quiet when you drove in mm -hmm. and it, it didn't really feel like an event it mm -hmm. it kind of felt like a test going in obviously it was an event and the other mechanics were there, but 
it was it was just very it was very strange once the actual racing event started though i once and you were engaged in the race you didn't i didn't really feel like there was that much everyone was missing that much from it i think it was only then after the race when there weren't fans around to enjoy all those aspects of the podium and stuff i think that was really disappointing but just that small point when the race was on i think we were lucky we got quite two quite engaging races in austria yeah, I found it was the same because I, I always say that with the sound of engines, that creates atmosphere on its own. And unlike, say, like a, a football match or a rugby match or a cricket match, where like I've been watching some of the cricket recently and I'm well into it. And I've just realized, actually, it's going to start again soon as well. Great. Um, but yeah, it's so weird because it's kind of a bowler getting a, a near miss or something. You know, half the crowd would be up and they're making that atmosphere and then they're starting to cheer as the bowler runs in. And you, like there's ebbs and flows to the day that are all based on kind of the crowd being alert and awake in, in test cricket because it's, it's all day. And I totally underestimated how big a part they play in something like that as a sport. But with F1, like you say, I think because they're detached from the drivers in the way that they are wearing their race suits and helmets and they're really tucked into the cars and because they're still quite far away for safety reasons from the track itself where they have to stand or sit uh, and with the noise that the engines make, all of that kind of meant you didn't you didn't notice a lack of sound, at least I didn't, um, that really adds to the drama. If two drivers went wheel to wheel side by side, you still had that great noise from the cars that meant it looked and sounded dramatic. Uh, but that was from my perspective of not being on site. Whereas I don't know if Nate found that if it was different because of the way TV had to cover it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it is a bit different for, but to be honest with you, the broadcast did a pretty good job of like minimizing the fan, the, the, the no fans being there. And I think at some points, like when, you know, when, when Lando was carving through the field, for example, usually you would have heard fans like reacting to that on the TV and it was noticeable that you didn't. But the difference you get when you're watching it at home versus the media centers, you get the commentary. And I think the commentary over an F1 race, when you have that noise of the engines actually does mask a lot of the, the lack of atmosphere that's there anyway. So really it felt like just watching a normal event. And it was actually kind of weird because it's the first time, um, I'm sure you guys are the same. I've not actually sat and watched a race you know, in a in an office for such a long time with commentary and not with them, you know, on the window to my to my left or to my right. So it was kind of it was kind of weird in that sense. But um, yeah, so I think they did a good job hiding it better than when you watch football games and you have the fake noise or no fake, you know, the no fake noise. Either way, you kind of you're constantly reminded that there's something weird going on. Whereas with the F1 races, I haven't felt that so far on on on, on the TV. Yeah, and it, and hopefully it's not going to be for too long anyway. From what we're hearing. I mean, Beretta is actually very good here. I can't, I think it might have been, again, plug of the old podcast. That's not a podcast thing. But I think it was on there that um, Beretta mentioned uh, Portimao and Portugal trying to potentially host a race uh, months ago now. And then it's happened. And they've been talking about maybe having fans. I know Imola want to, but they're going to have to see what they're allowed to do. Monza, I think, are the same. I think uh, the Nürburgring might have come out and said, ideally, we're going to try and get some fans in if we're allowed to. Like, There's a lot of these venues now because they're quite a long way away, they want to get some fans back in, which would be good. Because, again, I think you also just see things like a Friday practice and you see enough fans around and it just starts to feel a bit more like a race meeting. I think like Lando says, you're probably then looking at crowds that you get to for lower category stuff. Now, if that's the maximum capacity because of social distancing and stuff, it's still going to be good to have a, a number of people in because these are huge venues. So somewhere like um, the Nürburgring, I guess, could probably hold 120,000 at capacity. So if you only allow 40,000 in, you still got 40,000 people there, right? And you're only at a third capacity. So that would be quite cool if we can if we can get to that, even if it means we have to put up more traffic in the morning. 
I think it'd be great if we could get to that point, uh, just because it's been so long, I guess, since people have been able to watch live sport uh, to actually be on event. So if we, even if they have to, you know, it's a little bit more awkward, you have to sit a few rows apart. Um, I think it's a good start and it will kind of give us a, a feel of what's possible for next year. Because if, if ideally things get better, hopefully we can hit the ground running next year and have practiced a few things like this this year round. I've got a question for you both. I'm going to start with Nate Saunders. What was the best and worst thing, one item only for each, about covering it and working from the office or slash from home? Um, the best, the best thing easily for me was that being in the office meant you could, I could just cycle home and I'd be, you know, the the routine of covering a race was so much easier. Because the worst thing would have been doing that and then having to go to a hotel and having to you know kind of be in a bubble or to self you know isolate i could hang out with my housemates for example so that from a just purely for, especially when we got to the third week and we've been doing it relentlessly that made it a lot easier because the sleeping pattern was better there was no traveling between it um so yeah i know that's i know that's kind of a, a weird one to say is the best because it's just it's just about my routine but it made it so much easier to cover and the worst thing that's a tough one i think the worst thing was just some of the the awkwardness or some of the the issues there were in terms of just covering stuff on zoom to start with doing interviews like the the lag or the some you know and this isn't a, this isn't a dig at f1 or the fia but to begin with because no one had ever done that before it was quite disjointed it was quite kind of um we'd never really seen that before so that got a bit it took a bit of time to get used to but maybe come back to me maybe i'll have a, a, a better worst uh when 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 Barreto's done his um no, well, you can have a couple. I'll try and be quick. So see how yeah, see please, how, yeah. how quick you can think. Well, um, Meadows, Meadows knows you can't put me on the spot about anything because I just I just crack under pressure, you know. So. That's why I gave you the lead in. I was like, I'm going to come to you, Nate. Get thinking. <laughs> um, for me, I think the best thing was just that um, I got out of my house and got back to doing my day job. And I was, the, of the three of us, I admit I was the luckiest one because it was the closest to normal that we've enjoyed kind of being back in the paddock, back to interviewing, which is my favorite part of the job, that kind of thing. Um, so just being able to do our job properly without kind of Zoom and video calls and, and things like that was the best thing. I think the, the toughest thing um, was still not being allowed onto the grids before a race, um, just because I think that we're, we're very lucky. But I think for me, that's the luckiest thing that I get to do is to go onto a grid just before the start of a race. You get to see the cars up close, you get the fans making the noise in that grandstand next door. Uh, you get to talk to a few team bosses or engineers for you know that you might not have seen, but you need some information or, or something like that. Um, and there's a real like building of something special is happening. And not being able to do that, even though I was able to do so many other things, was really hard. I think for me that weekend. So that's funny that you said because I literally wrote it down. It was right in front of me before this before we started the show. I was going to say that for me the the only time I really felt disconnected from it all was that half hour before the especially the first race because like you say we have that almost muscle memory of being on the grid soaking up the noise kind of just walking between the cars seeing and you just kind of people watch sometimes don't you you know you just kind of walk around and you see the drivers kind of body language before the race we all get a decent snap or two for our instagram selfishly um but like stuff like that that but also that like i always my heart rate always massively amps up at that moment for me you know when you're when you're sat there because it feels like it's about to start I didn't. I still got excited for the start of the race, but I didn't have quite the same, quite the same way that I did before being at home. And that, it, it, as soon as the racing started, it was fine. But I, I really noticed that as a big kind of a big loss compared to a normal race weekend. And Meadows, what about you? What, what were your two? So 
the best bit, it, from a work perspective, there was just one little moment. There was a couple of interviews got to do because I was on site and the first race, a couple of teams were offering up stuff. So I got to interview Albon and Norris one-on-one because the teams were looking like, how do we do our media now? And who's on site? Okay, we'll contact them and say, yeah, do you want to do a Zoom interview? That was quite nice. Um, mainly because I hadn't even thought. So I just, you know, these came out of the blue. It was great. Uh, and seeing when Merck went back to fifth place with Lewis's car at the first race, and you could see that out the window uh, and there'd been no communication yet. We're waiting to see what the steward's going to say. That was the, one of the times we were like, oh, my position right now, as small as it was, and there's only a short window of 10 minutes where the focus was on us being there. That was, um, that was a good bonus. Um, and just the odd snippet of normality in Austria, just getting out and about. They, you know, it was a lot more free there. And there was a few times where it just felt almost like normal, um, going out and getting lunch and sitting outside or whatever in, in the gap between races when I finally got to breathe. So that was quite good. Worst bit by far, though, was, yeah, just locking down, being away from everyone, being away from home um, and being so condensed into just go to your hotel and lock down. So, um, and not, not being allowed into the paddock and being, you know, outcast from everybody so that was by far the worst parts but hey ho we'll go again this weekend exactly we're kind of we're at least we're back on the road things are going uh with the season started effectively and hopefully things will get better as um as the season unfolds um chaps let's leave it there i think thanks again for your time um it's been a pleasure thanks to everyone who's listened uh well hopefully if you're still listening um and if you liked it please subscribe um you can read words from nate on espn you can read words from Medland on Racer and you can read words from me on F1.com. Uh, chaps, let's do this again sometime. Sports Social Podcast Network.